When the full moon is at its highest, and its pale glow illuminates the countless terrors of the evening, you'll know it's time for the Pike Horror Show. Hello, my name is Richard, and welcome to the Pike Horror Show, the only show on the airwaves where the host lives in the back of an abandoned blockbuster and pretends to be a phantom. This episode, we're going to be talking about a horror medium we haven't discussed yet, and that's video games. More specifically, the Resident Evil video game series. Up until this point, we've only really talked about horror movies and horror aspects that, although they may apply to video games, we've only used movies as the lens. And even though I do love horror movies, I love all aspects of horror. And the Pike Horror Show was made specifically to talk about everything, from movies to video games, even lame books for lame nerds. Anything that's even vaguely horror-related is free game here. So to break away from the horror movie pattern we've been doing, I decided to talk about arguably the most famous horror video game franchise ever, Resident Evil. Now, just to set up some expectations, yes, there are Resident Evil movies that have been made, but I'm not going to be talking about them. Maybe they'll come up in another episode, but for right now I'm only talking about the games. And by the games, I of course mean Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Now, it might seem weird that I numbered them out like that, but there are actually 28 Resident Evil games. In this episode, I'm only going to be talking about the main 8, or at least the ones that have a number. And I won't be talking about Resident Evil 0 either, because 0 represents the absence of number, also I've never played it. But even though I'm excluding 20 spin-off games, there is quite a wide variety in those 8 games. Each one tackles different tropes, different genres, different storytelling elements. Not to mention genre shifts that were necessary or maybe not so necessary. Also, this episode should be relatively spoiler-free because I'm not going to be talking about the story beat by beat, I'm going to be talking about the overarching concepts and themes. Now with that all out of the way, let me take you back to the distant past. The year is 1996. Resident Evil has just been released for the Sony PlayStation. Even though it was released in Japan in 1993 under the name Biohazard, the name was changed in the West to avoid confusion with an already released DOS game and a New York-based punk band with the same name. That's all the fun facts. I'm out of fun facts. Then you take the disc out of the box with your grubby, sticky hands that are sticky from all the 90s snacks you've had. You put it in, load it up, and you're immediately greeted by a man screaming. (laughs) At this point, you're shaking in your little boots, so you hit new game, and you hear... And at this point, your and everyone else's pants have been pissed with with pure fear. The first Resident Evil is from the 90s, and it really feels like it's from the 90s, which isn't a bad thing. It uses a lot of things we may consider cliché today, but they don't feel lazy. For example, the plot is about a rescue team that gets lost in the woods, gets chased by dogs, and then ends up in a mansion full of zombies. In 2022, that's like horror movie bingo. It's got all the stuff. Not to mention the mansion is is booby-trapped and has hidden rooms. But all that aside, I firmly believe if you played the game for the first time 25 plus years later, you wouldn't feel it as cliche. You may see it as limited and, and dated, but I don't think you would look at these elements together and think, oh, this is this is copycatting. You know, because even in 1993, they didn't invent this stuff. Zombies were around, the 80s were full of slashers and, and these sorts of horror movies. But the utilization feels fresh. I mean, it even feels fresh now. And as far as storytelling goes, Resident Evil 1 sets up these parameters. You're in the mansion. You need to keep moving forward. Not to mention everyone splits up, so you're alone, you're isolated in these parameters. So you're by yourself in these long corridors and and taking turns and, and not knowing what's waiting for you on the other side. And although all these elements are great in like a horror movie setting, in a video game it really captures it because 
you have to move forward. Like, Laurie Strode is going to be chased by Michael Myers, regardless of what you do. But if you don't move forward, Jill Valentine doesn't move forward, so every action is directly related to you. The game doesn't move if you don't move, so every monster or jump scare is a direct result from you moving forward. That's why video games can suck people in in ways even great movies can't. That guy on the screen, that's you. You're the person moving them. You're experiencing the fear in a way that can't be disregarded as, oh, fuck, it would suck to be that guy. You're that guy, and it fucking sucks to be you. Fucking zombies and shit. Not to mention the camera angle's always shifting, but you have no control over it. Every time you walk into a room, you're subjected to a fixed camera angle. And although it might have just been a limitation of the time, it really makes you feel like you're watching a movie. Every room is a scene, and every scene has this suspenseful angle or, or something that's out of sight. So you may be moving forward, the camera will jump up to an angle that doesn't show anything, you'll walk down a hallway and the camera will be from behind you and you'll see something that you weren't able to see before. Or you'll turn the corner and be walking towards the camera. So instead of being able to change the camera or having the camera sit on the character's shoulder, you're really at the mercy of this cinematic framing. So there's a lack of control, you're in these narrow hallways, you're only seeing what you're being allowed to see, and that's the perfect recipe for something scary. It doesn't even matter what you're up against at that point. It could be zombies or monsters or even just like a scary noise. You've built suspense before you've even done anything. You're already on edge. Also something Resident Evil does that kind of sets it away from like an action game is you're not very powerful. You're playing as this special agent, this special rescue team. Uh, you have guns, you're, you know, you can shoot at things, but they just get back up. You can shoot the zombie like nine times and it'll just get up and chase you anyway. So instead of being a cool badass with a cigar and a shotgun, sometimes it's better to just run away. Standing and fighting isn't really an option most of the time. So Resident Evil 1 takes all the control away from you, makes you powerless, dumps you in this situation, and tells you to survive. If that's not the perfect recipe for horror, I really don't know what is. And this formula that they've set up, they bring it over into the next game, and it fits, I would say, even better. So in Resident Evil 2, you play as Leon Kennedy on his first day at the Raccoon City Police Department. So you play as a police officer in a police station. So already they're setting up these elements of order and, and control and, and power just to be like, hey, fuck you. It returns to that formula of like, you're alone, you do not have any power, survive. And that's all fine and dandy. You know, we've seen that in the first game, so we kind of have an idea of what's going on. But Resident Evil 2 says, just kidding. So in addition to the isolation, the narrow corridors, and the zombies, they also introduce you to a tyrant. A tyrant is a zombie variant. There's a couple of them, but in this particular one, we're talking about the T-00, also affectionately named Mr. X. Mr. X is a nine-foot-tall, basically indestructible enemy who chases you around the police station. He will show up randomly. You cannot kill him. It's just a way for the game to say, hey, get out of here. Move it along. As if the puzzles and monsters and mystery and lack of power wasn't enough. They made it so this enormous, unkillable thing can wander in at any time. Doesn't matter if you're in the middle of something or if you're already overrun by zombies, he'll just show up. If you know anything about me, you know I love a big monster. But the way they use a big monster in Resident Evil 2 should be a masterclass on how to do it. All in all, Resident Evil 2 is a terrific sequel to an already pretty innovative game. 
Moving on to Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, it's taking a lot of the stuff that made the first two games great and changing it up a little bit. Instead of the finite area of the mansion or the police station, it actually brings you into the city. The events of the game are actually taking place during the events of the second game, so they're happening parallel to each other. Plus, it brings back Jill Valentine, a protagonist from the first game. Resident Evil 3 also introduces another tyrant variant called Nemesis. However, unlike Resident Evil's 1 and 2, you're not revisiting the same corridors and the same places with new keys, you're moving through a city. So unlike Mr. X, you're not necessarily being chased by Nemesis, but instead you're just fighting him periodically. But besides those distinctions, there's not that much to say about it. Resident Evil 3 is critically acclaimed. Some people noted that the game was a little on the shorter side, but all in all, it's a great entry in the Resident Evil series. Now, Resident Evil 4 is where things start to change pretty drastically. Now, some people think that Resident Evil 4 is the best game in the franchise, and I'm not going to argue with them. It's just undoubtedly a colossal shift from 3. Although I do think Resident Evil 3 was trying to break away from horror a little bit by being set in a city as opposed to tight corridors, Resident Evil 4 is just a straight-up action game. There's nothing wrong with that, but a lot of the stuff that made Resident Evil Resident Evil aren't in this one. Instead of the mansion or the police station or even like the alleys of the city, Resident Evil 4 takes place in a vaguely Eastern European village. So for most of the game, you're just out in the open. You can still be jump scared or, or fight monsters outside, but you're not really building the same level of suspense. Plus, now you have control of the camera, so instead of it being locked in, in sort of in these cinematic framings, you can move it as you need to. This might have been a necessary change just to make it feel more modern and to keep up with other games, but it does take a lot away from how the older games were kind of paced out. There are still some puzzles in Resident Evil 4, but for the most part, it's a shooting game. You enter an area, you shoot people until you find what you need or until a door opens by itself when it knows enough people are dead, and then you move on. I'm not saying this is good or bad, I'm just saying it's very different. You play as Leon Kennedy again, who is now a US special agent, but at the same time, you feel like a special agent. In the other games when you were specially trained but the power was sort of taken away from you. In Resident Evil 4 you don't feel like the power was ever taken. You're just a well-trained guy kicking the shit out of some farmers. Now it might sound like I'm picking on Resident Evil 4 but honestly it paved the way for a lot of action shooters going forward. It may be a big departure from the older games and it may not really be a horror game in spirit. It is an important game and it's considered by many to be one of the best games ever made. Now, all that being said, I do just want to take a little bit of time to talk about Resident Evil 5. Where Resident Evil 4 was leaning away from the horror genre, Resident Evil 5 is basically not a horror game at all. And that's okay, it's just I don't want to talk too much about it. It doesn't do anything groundbreaking. It doesn't control fear or, or do anything, I would say, even that interesting. You're an anti-bioterrorism agent shooting zombies in Africa. The premise is relatively reliable. The setting is kind of cool. But there's not much to say about it. You're big and strong, you shoot a monster, you do a quick time event, that's really all it is. And this isn't me hating on the game or, or thinking it's terrible. If you like the game, like the game. I've played it, I, I had enough fun with it. But it's not groundbreaking in any sense. It's not really groundbreaking as an action game. It doesn't really do anything interesting as a horror game. Of the main eight games, I would say Resident Evil 5 is the least horror oriented. And I would say that pretty confidently. Resident Evil 6 is certainly more of an action shooter, but it does have a little bit more of a horror setting. I would say it's built on the bones of 5, of, of being that, that cool shooter where you're like the big tough guy, but it's putting you in like corridors and it's putting you underground on subway stations. So maybe it's just the aesthetics that are sort of giving me the placebo effect of thinking it's scarier, but it feels more intense that way. 
So while the first three Resident Evil games have the framework for horror, the next three are definitely in that action shooter category. On one hand, the latter three would barely count as horror games, but on the other hand, it is kind of cool to have these characters you met in the first three be adapted into a whole different genre, and you get to kind of experience them again. Because regardless of what the games are, there is an overbranching storyline. And trust me, it gets a lot deeper and a lot more complicated than what I'm diving into. Now, dear listener, I know what you're thinking. All hope is lost. We we blew through the 90s where horror was, was at its peak, and we kind of limped through the action shooter period. What can save us now? What can save Resident Evil. Why is this guy talking about horror games so long that have nothing to do with horror anymore? Well, buckle up, because next we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Where 4, 5, and 7 were sort of grandfathered into the horror genre, Resident Evil 7 boldly reclaims it in a way that sometimes is scarier than the original 3. Instead of unloading a clip into an unsuspecting zombie, taking cover, reloading, and then doing it again, there's an emphasis on exploration and even some sneaking around. Instead of having the camera looking over your shoulder or having it pre-placed, you're actually looking through the eyes of your character as he explores these places. In a lot of ways, you are the main character. You are Ethan Winters as he makes his way through this decrepit house. All of the suspense and framing and gore and action, that's all you. While doing research for this episode, I learned that the developers of Resident Evil 7 actually took inspiration from the Evil Dead series, which makes perfect sense looking back. Like Evil Dead, Resident Evil 7 mostly takes place in one area. It's isolated and decrepit, and there's something lurking behind every corner. And while the main narrative sort of walks you through the story, you can explore and find different pieces so when they're revealed later on, everything connects differently. And although first-person horror games aren't uncommon, in my opinion, Resident Evil 7 is the most like experiencing a horror movie. You're the one moving the story forward. You're the one who's seeing the consequences of your actions. You're the one that chooses to walk down a pitch black staircase having no idea what's at the bottom. And while I think the first three Resident Evil games are, are great horror games, especially for their time, Resident Evil 7 makes you experience horror in a completely different way. To put it simply, the older ones are very cinematic, while 7 going forward are very immersive. We are framing the fear for you how we want you to see it, as opposed to you finding that framing on your own. Resident Evil 8 Village takes all the aspects of 7, but expands upon the experience. I said that Resident Evil 7 felt like experiencing a horror movie. Resident Evil 8 feels like you're experiencing a nightmare. Minor spoilers ahead. It has a lot of the same core mechanics, and you're even playing as the same person. All the settings are completely different, and all of the character experience in 7 carries over into 8. The character is older, wiser, he's even been trained specifically for these kind of events, but he's still no match for anything. Now, instead of lurking around one decrepit house in Louisiana, there are multiple awe-inspiring locations, each with their own specific horror experience. You have to make your way through monster-infested swamps, gothic castles full of vampires, a machine shop full of werewolves, and a house full of living dolls. And even though you've experienced Seven and the character has gotten training for these sorts of things, nothing can prepare you for that. Not to mention there's a nine-foot-tall, dummy-thick vampire woman who chases you around the castle. That's not really relevant, but it does make it the perfect game. But as you play, each area is so different and so surreal that that's why I compared it to a nightmare. Nothing makes sense, you can't trust anything you know or anyone around you. And for me, the player, it's like playing five really great, really short horror games back to back. Each location has its own cool premise, but can exist on its own. So you're not turning a corner and saying, oh, another zombie, oh, it's Mr. X, oh, it's Nemesis. Every time you walk through a set of doors, you're just like, what the fuck now? What now? Now, just as a closing statement, I just wanted to take a second to say that I consider Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8 to be two of the most perfect horror experiences. 
on their own, they're great, but the idea that they connect and continue on through each other, I think that's just so amazing. It really shows the variety and, and the absurdity that this world allows. Like, Seven changed the formula so much, and you think you have it down, and Eight's just like, just kidding, we're doing whatever. I just think it's so cool that one franchise can completely change the horror genre several times and then keeps innovating 20 plus years later. Like, if Resident 1 didn't exist, maybe we wouldn't have horror games as we know them today. If Resident Evil 4 didn't exist, we might not have action shooters as we know them today. If Resident Evil 7 hadn't come out, I might not give a shit about Resident Evil. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you like the show, you're going to want to subscribe. There's always something new coming out. There's a lot of stuff to listen to right now, but if you're up to date, stick around because there's a lot of stuff coming in the future. Anyway, my name is Richard, and this has been the Pike Horror Show. 